I'll be wrapping up the chapter. Mike started it two weeks ago. Lenny kept it going. And now I will wrap it up. Short passage, just verses 24 to 27, but very popular one, very powerful one. And I will pray, and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you. I think all of us planned on being here this morning, but that's certainly uh, only because you granted it to us. You gave us health, you gave us provision, you gave us protection, and you knew from the beginning of time that we'd be sitting in this room, Lord, studying together and then going to service together. And Lord, if anything, the, uh, the surprise attack showed us last night. Lord, we, we can't take anything for granted. So every second that you give us, we thank you. I do pray that this will be a time that honors you, that speaks to our hearts, that helps us grow in your word, helps us grow closer to you and to each other. You do tell us to edify one another, Lord, and that can only happen if we're growing in your word together. So we do thank you, Lord, for anyone still coming. Of course, we pray they get here safely, and I'm sure you'll have your spirit speak to their heart and with whatever they hear. Uh, but thank you that we're here to just uh, look at it from square one to build on again with Mike and Len have already said from the chapter, Lord, and now as we wrap it up, I just thank you for what you've laid on my heart. I just ask you to speak through my words as uh, I always trust you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. 1 Corinthians 9. Again, very popular verses. All right, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. Here we go. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. All right, I was planning on asking Dave Wessel, but he has not made it in the room yet. So let's see if I can ask. Sir, there's a reason I'm asking you. And if not, it looks like he's walking in now. Can, can you read the title to the notes correctly? If you don't think you can, then don't. Dup, 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 dup. Can you read them correctly? Can you go? Because if not, Dave's going to do it. Go. You play to win the game. Uh, not bad. Come on, Dave. Do it. Do it. You play to win the game. Thank you. Dave knew what I was talking about. The rest of you have no idea what we're talking about. But about 20 years ago, 2005, the Jets had a coach named Herm Edwards. And as usual, the team was not doing well. They were on a losing streak. It was getting near the end of the season. And a reporter said... Or do you fear that the team might stop playing hard? That they might just start going through the motions? That they might just show up, do what they got to do so that they can make it to the postseason? And actually, Dave, one more word in there. Do you remember? You know what it is. One word that came before he said that? Okay. Hello. Right? Hello. You play to win the game. Now, if you go Google that, that is like a viral he said he will never say it again because everybody asks him to repeat it. It just became this huge thing. Hello, you play to win the game. He was annoyed at even the thought that his players or his coaches or anyone would just go through the motions, would just play. It didn't matter what their record was. It didn't matter what their talent was. If you're going to play, play to win. Now that's what I think Paul's saying here. 
Remember, what Paul's saying here is kind of the culmination of what we've looked at for the last three weeks. What did I say three weeks ago in chapter 8? If eating meat offends my brother, then I'm not doing it. And then what did Mike say two weeks ago at the beginning of chapter 9? Yeah, I should be able to get paid and treated like any other minister, but you know something? If that's going to offend you, then I won't do it. And then what did Lenny say last week in regards to the unsaved? I have become all things to all men so that by all means I may save some. He just keeps giving example after example after example of what he's willing to do. And he closes it with this idea of, and you know why I'm willing to do all that? Because I'm going to play, I'm going to play to win. So is it kind of weird comparing a, <laughs> the Christian life to a game? Yeah, but the Bible does it quite often. You know, it, it doesn't mean it is a game by any stretch. The Christian life is way more important than any football game, than any running race. We understand that, but we also understand why the Bible so often uses that analogy. Because I think if we're honest, and I'm going to get into this a little bit, we're all here to play. I don't know if we're necessarily here to play to win, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I'll explain what I mean in a second. But even just to kind of plant the seeds for those of you who have been in any kind of comp- it doesn't matter what competition, football, you know, running, uh, spelling bee, I don't care. Think about what it means to you to play to win. And then compare that to your spiritual life. And tell me if there's much of a difference. And I'll start right now and tell you for me there is. So you don't have to worry if you think, oh no, I think there might be a difference. Well, for me there is. I'll explain why. I'm not justifying it by any stretch. I'm I'm being very transparent with you. Okay? And, And as we get into it, I'm going to talk about what I mean by that. But I believe that Paul is challenging. He's speaking about himself. He's saying, I do all of these things. But I believe he's setting a bar. He's saying, come on, guys, if you're going to play, let's play to win. So that's why I have five points here, even though it looks like two of them say Roman numeral two, so sorry for that. But five things in order to win. Five things in order to win this game that that Paul is referring to. Uh, There are five things I believe we need. These notes were originally four things because the fifth one didn't even jump out at me until really this morning, to be honest. And I changed the notes. I just didn't. Roman numeral in the well. Do you know the first thing you need to win? The first, thank you. (laughs) You need a race. Agreed? Paul says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? Not all the people run. I know that's kind of a given. I get it. Uh, My father just finished last week his 40th marathon. I don't know how the man does it. There were thousands of people that ran in it, but billions of people that didn't. You understand that. Right? When Paul says all runners run, he's only referring to the people who were already in the race. You can't win a race if you're not in a race. And again, God's still working in my mind because my point was originally going to be Paul's referring to believers here. That I'm still sticking with. An unbeliever can't run this race. But even unbelievers run a race. In fact, they call it a rat race. I was actually very depressed last night. Not, I shouldn't say that because I was at a wedding and I should have been very happy. But if you could have seen how long the line was for people to go to the open bar. Like they were just standing there. A couple people were dancing. A couple people were talking. And the line was like this long because, you know, the, the maid of honor had to say her thing. And the grooms had to So everybody wanted to be polite then. And then as soon as the music started, boom. Like literally about 30 people in line. Whatever, I'm not judging them. That's their race. That's, they're trying to make, until God opens their eyes to what they're missing, 
eat, drink, and be merry. They're doing their thing. They have their race. But we have our race. Our race should not be the rat race. In fact, if our race is the rat race, I would argue then you're running two races. If you're a believer, you're in this race. You're a runner in this race. Even if you pulled over to the side with a hamstring, I don't know. But you're in the race. And that's the first thing we have to make sure. You'll, see, you'll notice every single one of my points have a corporate and a personal. I was going to go with general and specific, but I much more like these words. There is a corporate race. Corporate meaning just one that we're all running. But I very much believe that we all have an individual personal race. And I think Paul makes that very clear. So as we talk about the race, you know, I have five points. So we're going to go through this somewhat quickly. But uh, verses are on the back if you need them. But Sue, if you'd be so kind as to read Hebrews 12.1 in regards to our corporate race. The race that all of us are running. All of us believers are running. Therefore, since we have a great uh, cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, now it starts with therefore. This is Hebrews 12. It starts with therefore because we just finished Hebrews 11. Many people know Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter, the hall of faith. All these amazing men and women of God and the faith that they displayed and therefore since we have these witnesses these people to look back on let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us Paul doesn't tell them to run the race you understand he doesn't say come on guys get in the race he's saying no we're in the race we're in the race until the day he takes us home he's saying let's strive to run with endurance the race that has been set before us, and I will say, all of us. So, again, you know you can stop me at any moment, but to me, those are the be holy for I am holy challenges. You know, that there's that one race that we're all called to. Somebody doesn't get to say, well, you know, reading the Bible's part of John's race, but not part of mine. You know, we're called to read the Bible. We're called to pray. We're called to edify one another. We're called to assemble together. There's so many things that we are called to do to grow in our sanctification. Right? We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But to grow after you've been saved that really everyone can claim. That's what I mean by corporate. And because it's corporate, we can all come alongside each other. We can, again, you know, discuss scripture with each other, pray for one another. We can help each other run this race that we're all running. Yes? Okay. But again, there is a personal race that I believe each one of us are called to run. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.7. Um, Sarah, would you read 2 Timothy 4.7? Go ahead. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Okay. Now I'm going to argue with myself in about five minutes, but that's nothing new. When Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have run the race, he's right. There is a general race, because when we look at 2 Timothy 4, 8, it's more of a general. But Paul's very clear that he also has an individual race that he has been running. We're going to see different things here. So I'm not changing scripture by any stretch, but I don't think Paul would be upset if we said that what Paul's saying here is, I have fought my good fight. I have ran my race. Paul was never trying to do anything that God called someone else 
to do. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. We think being a good Christian means blank. And corporately, there are lots of things that can go in that blank. But personally, no. No, I think a lot of time, and I don't want to say we're wasting our time. God's still working on me with this, I'll be honest. But he has me preaching it today. Is it possible that we do things with the best of intentions that God never really called us to do? I have to say yes. Is he upset at that? I don't think so. I think he knows we mean well. I think he knows that we're just kind of relying on our own understanding and saying, oh my goodness, yeah, you know, Sue does that, so I should probably do that. I don't think that upsets him. But we're not going to turn there because it doesn't mention rewards. But can we just really think about what it means to be part of a body? A body. Like the Bible doesn't have to use that analogy. We're not really a body. You do understand that. We're not literally... You understand? Like it's purposely used as an analogy because Paul, slash God, wants us to understand that we all have a specific role to play. And if you could just understand that you have a specific role to play, that's when you start understanding your specific race. I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I've got to make sure I go slow here, but the second point is going to help me a lot here. But, but my point is, as you're, the, the first thing you should be asking yourself is, A, what race are you in? Okay, if it's only the rat race, then I hope you sit and talk with someone. But most people who don't know Jesus as their Savior, most people who don't want to grow in Scripture... I'm going to take that leap and say, you know, I think you're, you're in our race. I think we're all in the same race together. Okay, then corporately, how are we doing? Are you just, well, you know, there's the race I run on Sunday, and then there's the race I run on Monday to Saturday. That's no good. If you're a Christian, you're in this race. And we are all to grow, all to proceed, all to strive together in the corporate race, but in the personal race. Again, I, I just feel bad. I'll be honest. I'll just say it here. Some of us know what that race is, and some of us don't. I'm sorry. I don't know why God made it so ridiculously clear to me that he called me to teach. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Don't ask me to change your oil. Don't ask me to fix your computer. But you want me to teach math? You want me to teach the Bible? You want me to coach a sport? I don't know. For some reason, you just gave me the ability to like break things down. and I don't know. I'm not taking credit for that. But just because not all of you can do that doesn't mean... You have a different race. I'm making sense, right? Even though we're all running the same race, you have a different race. So I need to acknowledge what my race is. And I'm sorry, beautiful wife who I love. She can't be the only person in this room who thinks, yeah, but you know something? I don't see it as clearly. I don't understand. I know what God wants me to do in general. And I want to be a good Christian. I'm sorry, Paul's not just talking about being a good Christian here. I'm sorry, when, when we look at all these verses and Paul just keeps saying, I'm disciplining myself, I'm control, I'm doing this, I'm running the race. It's about that specific part of the body that, that he has been called to be, that, that someone else has. You know, Jesus was called to be the head of the church. And so he says, <laughs> it is, I, I come give my life to, to do my father's will. We all have, so if you don't see what yours is clearly on a personal level, at least be on the corporate level. But don't satisfy for the corporate level. Don't satisfy, well, I mean, I, I, I try to read my Bible and pray. And look, those things are so vital. I am not downplaying them at all. But everybody should be doing that. Ask the Spirit to speak to your heart. This isn't me guilt-tripping you. This is me saying if you're a part of the body, don't you want to know what part? Like, how in the world is the foot supposed to act like a foot if it doesn't know it's a foot? 
Right? And we're not going to turn there, but it does say if the foot says, well, I'm not an eye, so I'm not part of the body. Like, that's sad. So, again, some of us, you know, pastor knows he was called to be a pastor. You know, some of us know we were called to evangelize. Whatever it might be, if you know, amen, then, then really my challenge to you is do it. But for the many of us who are maybe sitting here saying, oh, John, I get my general calling, but that specific one, just pray. I cannot imagine that God doesn't want you to know it. I don't know how he's going to reveal it to you. Many times he'll reveal to you that it's something that you're already doing and you just didn't realize you were doing it. But, but that, that's his job. But that's the first thing. You can't win the race if you don't have a race. Agreed? So, so that's done. Okay. I didn't even plan on saying all that, but actually I was glad God laid that on my heart. But what else do you need in order to win? Yeah, a goal. Or I'm going to use the word prize only because Paul did. Agreed? Paul said, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. I am so thankful that Paul is not being literal here. God could have done that. God would have been fully in his rights to say, John, I called you to be a teacher, but I called Mike to be a teacher too. So when you both die, I'm going to compare your resumes, and whoever did better gets the prize. He could have done that. He, right? It, it says only one receives the prize, but Paul's not focusing on the one that receives the prize. He's focusing on the one that wants that, yes? That that's your goal, that that's what you're striving for. I'm not competing against Mike. Guess who I'm competing against? Myself. Myself. You understand? Myself and, and opening the spirit, uh, my heart to the spirit and saying, Lord, show me what it is I should be doing. Show me how I can grow more and make more progress in the corporate run as well as in the personal one. Show me because I do want to win the prize. Now, a few minutes ago, I told you that competing for a prize in the world to me kind of is different than competing. I had to ask myself why. Why, why do I make plays for the basketball team and make reviews for the AP stat test and make all, you know, I just, I want, I want victory here. It's not that I don't want it, it's just, can I be honest, when it comes to my spiritual life, I feel like I already won. Right? Aren't we more than conquerors? Aren't, aren't we victory? But that's if you're defining the prize as salvation. If you're defining the prize as salvation, which unfortunately much of the world thinks, you better live as good a life as you can. You better do everything you can so that when you stand before God, He says, all right, good enough, come on in. Wow. They think the race is earned, but no, we know that's not it. In fact, you ready? We know that it was Christ's propitiation, which not only paid in full, but satisfied in full. See? I didn't hear the Spanish part, but I heard the English part. All right? But, but amen, God, Christ did all that. Paul's not, the, what the prize that Paul's referring to, I believe, are the rewards that are awaiting us in heaven. I don't know how often I think about those. In fact, I, I feel a little guilty. I was talking with my brother at the wedding, and we were agreeing that sometimes you feel a little guilty thinking about those, because, I mean, after everything God did, you can ask for rewards too. Well, you're not going to ask for rewards, but if he says there's a reward that awaits you, don't you want to win it? Right? Whether it's a tangible, my personal belief is it really is a crown because how else can I thank Jesus for everything he did for me than to lay a crown on his feet? It's like the two-year-old where you have to buy them a gift to give to mommy. So that, that, that's how I view it. Until God shows me otherwise, I can earn crowns that I'm not going to keep. 
They won't be mine. But they'll be mine to give to Christ to show him how thankful I am. As much as my life should show him how thankful I am, I believe God will give me crowns that I can lay at his feet. It's just that final moment of, Lord, thank you. That's how I see it. If you want to discuss how you see it later, that would be fine. But at a minimum, Paul is talking about a prize. We cannot argue that. You can't say you win unless you win something. Right? Whether it's bragging rights, whether it's a victory, something. There's got to be something that you want. So when Paul refers to a prize, we said that there's a corporate prize, one that we're kind of all striving for, and that's 2 Timothy 4.8. Right after we read 2 Timothy 4.7, where Paul said, I have fought the fight, I have run the race. He then goes on to say, 2 Timothy 4.8, Jane, would you be so kind? It's on the, oh, if you have it there, great. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. It's amazing what a 180 that sentence took. Because in the beginning, remember, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have run the good race. Imagine it then said, and therefore... Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Period. He wouldn't have been wrong. He earned his crown. You know, he wouldn't be saying, you don't get one. He just wouldn't be highlighting. But he says, no, no, but but not just me. All who have loved his appearing. Sean, I'm giving you the easy question today. (laughs) Are certain people called to love Christ's appearing? Yeah, and I, and I didn't mean, I meant like within the body of believers, that is not a calling where, well, I laid on Sean's heart to love my appearing, but John, you just keep go teaching math. <laughs> no, that's a general corporate calling, yes? I, that's why those of us who, I'm just so nervous that, not nervous, but that some of you are stressing, oh no, if I don't learn what my personal calling is, that's the Holy Spirit's job. I, I want to challenge you to at least think about it. I think sometimes we kind of kick into autopilot. And can I say for a second that as much as autopilot should be a bad word, I am very thankful, you can speak for yourself, if our autopilots are actually on a good setting. You know what I mean? If you're like, you know something, I didn't really think about it today, but, well, no, I mean, I didn't curse anybody out, I didn't this, I didn't yeah. this, and it wasn't because I was purposely trying to... Amen if that's where our autopilot is. But don't, don't settle for that. Right? He'll take us home when he's done with us. If he has us here for another day, he wants to reveal more to us. He wants to manifest more to us. And yes, that's on a corporate level, but it's also on a personal level. So when it comes to the prize, yes, corporately, Paul is saying, everyone who has loved his appearing will be given this crown of righteousness that I don't think is going on my head, that I think is getting laid at Jesus' feet. But amen. He wants to reward us. He's not going to say, oh, you know, Jasper, I know you tried, but technically I wanted you to do this and you didn't, so sorry, bud. No. Guess how we can say that we love his appearing? There's a tough one, so I'll give it to my son. Hey, Joe, do I wait until the moment I stand before God to determine if I'm going to love his appearing? How do I do it? With the way you live right now. Show him that you love him so that if he comes at any moment, we're not going to turn there, but doesn't John give the alternative to that? Right? Let us live in a way that we not be ashamed at his coming. Right? Abide in him that we not be ashamed. This is the other side of that. Let's live in a way so that if he comes right now and he decides to come, let's be honest, at some point he has to come 
where one of his chosen have not figured out their personal calling yet. By definition, that has to happen. Whatever date he comes on, there's going to be plenty of believers who haven't quite made it. That's okay. Did they love his appearing? Were they trying to live a life that showed that they wanted to be in this race? They wanted to win this race? They wanted to make the most of every day God gave them? Crown of righteousness. Everybody's going to have something to lay at his feet, I hope. Because we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3 that tells us maybe not. But I hope. I hope on a corporate level, we all are looking forward to his appearing. But um, but then I guess I'm going to say Mike, because I think that's where the cutoff was, right? You went up to verse like 18 or something. So can you read 1 Corinthians 9, 17? I believe that was from your side. Of my own will, I have a reward. Okay, so so since uh, that was your passage, right? I mean, you would know the answers to these anyway, but I'm just asking. What was his stewardship? What was Paul's stewardship that he's referring to here? Okay, which is a general calling to everyone or Paul's specific? No, that was Paul's specific calling. So Paul's not calling anybody out for not doing what he was called to do. What's that? Paul's not calling anybody out here for not doing what he was called to do in this specific case, right? <coughs> exactly, right? Paul said, okay. Technically, he did say that if I do this of my free will, I receive a reward. He's not referring to a crown there because the very next verse says what that reward is. But, but it doesn't matter. It's a reward. He's acknowledging I receive a reward, but he receives that reward because he was doing something that God called him to do anyway. That even if he did it with his arm twisted, he'd miss out on the reward, but he still has to do it. And that's, that's kind of the heart of what I'm trying to share here. Yes, there's a corporate prize for all of us. And I don't believe God's going to deprive anybody of a, of a reward if he's truly trying to figure out. You understand? Like, if you're striving, Lord, what is it that you want for me? Me, personally. Me. Above and beyond what you're calling of all your children. The part of the body that you made me. What is it you want me to do? He's either going to reveal that to you, or, you know, he, God is God. But as I leave the section of prize, I just want to keep showing that dual aspect. There's a race we're all running, but then there's a race that we're individually called to run. There's a prize that we're all striving for, but there's very much a prize that God has specifically for you. I believe that. I'm sorry if I go start ringing bells, you know, sharing God's word. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I don't think that would get God upset. But based on what I know God called me to do, if I'm doing that instead of preparing for the next lesson I need to teach, when I know God called me to be a teacher, if I'm a foot trying my best to be an eye, because if you're an eye, then you get to see people, you know, whatever the reason, whatever he made me, that's what I want to be. That's the purpose I want to serve. It's very humbling to think he created my purpose way before he created me, physically speaking. Right Before I ever existed, he knew the role I was going to play in the body and what he wanted me to do. Well, then that's the prize that I want to strive for. Not just the prize of loving his calling, but the prize of doing the stewardship that I have been given. Okay? I think as we keep going, I I pray, God will reveal more and more to you, if you don't know, um, what your private, personal calling is. But number three, we'll keep moving. Do you not know in a race though all runners run? One receives a prize. Run that you may obtain it. We then see every athlete exercises self-control in all things. I'm going to skip this for a moment. 
I'll explain why in a little bit. Um, they do to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Okay? Is it a good idea to run? i got to ask somebody who does care about being in shape. Hey, Mikey, is it a good idea to run? Sure, give, give me some reasons why. Okay, get you in shape. Good for your heart, good for your muscles. Lots of good reasons to run, yes? But would you agree those reasons are very different from trying to win a marathon? You would have a completely... Running aimlessly doesn't mean you're frolicking in the garden. You understand? But it just means like you're running without a purpose. I almost wanted to put the word purpose here, but I, I put something else. You understand? Paul's saying, listen, there's one thing to just be a, quote, good Christian. We should all strive to be a, quote, good Christian. But that, that's so vague. That's so... Right? Let, let's really focus in. That's the word I'm going to put there. To win. In order to win, you need focus. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm in the race, and here's the prize. You know, I've, I've been in that. In fact, it's happening now. Every September. Man, this, this year is going to be different. I can tell. These kids, are, these kids are locked in. These kids are raising hands. These kids are bringing pencils. It's October. I had a kid get a five on a test. I mean, it's insane. It's like, I almost felt like I made them dumber. And then they end up, yeah, a five. And to a person, they apologize to me. Mr. O, it's not you. It's not I'm like, I know it's not me. <laughs> I've been doing this for 30 years, but what went wrong? And I don't actually ask them. But I know what it is. Other things started becoming more important. They lost their focus. Um, one downside to me explaining things very clearly. I know this because I've had students say it. When you did it on the board, it just made so much sense. So they don't think they have to go home and practice it themselves. You understand? We need focus if we want to win the race, if we want to win the prize. And we need focus corporately. Hebrews 12 too. Shannon, would you be so kind? Okay, that, that's right. I don't, nobody here is going to argue well, I mean, John, you have to focus on Jesus, but God laid on my heart to focus on... No. We're all to focus on Jesus. We're to focus on Jesus, not just because he's Jesus, of course, that's a good enough reason, but as we kind of subtopic that, because he showed what it meant to come to do the Father's will. It doesn't say that the cross was a joy to him. It doesn't say that. But it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I will just politely disagree with anybody who thinks that the joy that was set before him was that I can spend forever in, in heaven. The joy that was set before him was the ability to do the Father's will. To do what God called him to do, of which I am an eternal benefactor. But his focus, right? he set his eyes on Jerusalem. He set his eyes. We are called to focus. Yes, I mean, just, well, here, pop quiz. It's okay. I don't care. But does anything pop into your mind? Anything corporately, anything generally that you can think of where scripture says focus. I'm catching you totally off guard. I get it. But I bet you when I say some, they'll pop right into your mind. He'll keep him in perfect peace if his mind is set on him. And just like God's sense of humor, I thought of like five of them. I didn't think of that one. But that's how God works. That's why I ask. Right? Right? Focus. He'll give you peace if you focus. 
Any Colossians 3 people in the room? Set your mind on things that are above. Yes? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Whatsoever things are good, true, pure. But how does that end? Meditate on the... Yeah. I, I, I almost wanted it to be like a waterfall. I don't need to break any one of those down. My point is scripture is constantly saying focus. Right? We call the... I called uh, spiritual dozing what the disciples did in, in the garden right Jesus came up he woke them up once he's like guys listen you gotta stay alert they fell asleep again he didn't bother waking them up again what woke them up the guards and that's why Peter's pulling out his sword and chopping off an ear and doing all of these things we have to stay focused corporately we have to stay focused on Jesus that, that, that goes without saying but now, Gina, would you mind reading Romans 12, 4 through 8? For as in one body we have members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body of Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ from the grace given to us, let us use them in prophecy, in worship, to our faith, in service, in our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts Thank you so much. Next time, use your teacher voice. But that's okay. Yeah. However, since you maybe a lot of you did not hear what she said, I'm going to read for you what she said, and I'm being ridiculously sarcastic. So make sure you listen. Got it? She said, "For as in one body we have many members, and the members all have the same function." So we who are one body in Christ have gifts that don't differ. If you better prophesy and serve and teach and exhort and contribute and show acts of mercy. No, that is absolutely not what it said. But do you understand what it's saying? It's saying God gifted you to do something and whatever that something is, it doesn't mean you neglect everything else, but that's where your focus goes. And does it say prophesy? Yes. We know that doesn't mean foretell the future. That means preach, right? Share the word, right? Get the word out there. Prophesy. I kind of like that it separates prophesy from teach, to be honest. To me, it is somewhat different. Prophesy is kind of putting it out there. Teaching, to me, is more kind of breaking it down. But regardless, not everyone here is called to prophesy. Not everyone here is called to teach. But is it possible that you are called to serve? Is it possible that you maybe even like it? And that's not a knock if you don't. It can't be a knock. Yes, we're all called to serve, but I think some of us almost, like we look forward to those moments. We, 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 we look for opportunities. Well, maybe that's not you looking. Maybe that's the Spirit speaking to your heart, saying this is your specific focus. Find ways to serve. Not because I'm twisting your arm to do it, but because that's the part of the body you serve. To exhort. We do know exhort means encourage. Should we all encourage? Yes, there's plenty of verses that say encourage one another. But isn't this kind of making it clear that some are just given that gift? That that's your role in the body? Could you imagine if a body had no encouragers? Or if the only people who encouraged are the people who had to encourage because the Bible says to... Look, I want to encourage everyone here. But what I want to do and what I do are two very different things. I'm sorry. If, if God doesn't like draw my attention to something... I'm not the first person who's going to seek someone out and say, hey, great job. Maybe God has to work on my heart on that. But I know there are people in here who want, you, that's you. 
That's you. You look forward to opportunities to encourage someone, to serve someone, to contribute, to give, yes? To acts of mercy. We're supposed to do all of these things. So why in the world is Paul specifying if, if this is the gift that God has given you, do that to the best of your ability. So I know we, this isn't the first time we've been on this merry-go-round. I get it. <clears throat> I don't know what God called you to do. I don't need to know what God called you to do. I need to know what God called me to do. But shouldn't you want to know what God called you to do? Not just corporately. Yes, read your Bible, pray. All those things are vital to doing your personal calling. But I'm telling you, if you could just... I don't know. If the Spirit speaks something to your heart, my point is latch on to it. Hold on tight. We're actually going to talk about holding on tight in in a verse coming up. Hold on tight. Yeah, but John, that's not as good as shut your mouth. Oh my goodness. If the, what, we, we, would, we would fall if we didn't have pinky toes or something? Like there, There's some rule that like the th- smallest thing in your body, if it wasn't there, your body wouldn't work. So get off this idea that, yeah, but I'm not a, good, you're not. And yet your purpose is just as vital as anyone else's and your prize is awaiting you. But don't try to be somebody else's body part. Why should God give you a prize for doing what he called me to do? He'll give you a prize for doing what he called you to do. Okay, so I know it's human nature to compare, but I really hope this passage, we are playing to win the game, and really the only competition is our old man. Stopping us from submitting to the Spirit and doing what the Spirit calls us to do. When God says, well done, good and faithful servant, he's not going to say, well done, Sue, you did better than blank. No. You say, well done, Sue. I entrusted you with something. You did what you were supposed to do with it. Enter into the joy of my Lord. Okay? So I know time is somewhat getting away from us, but in order to win, we need a game. We need a prize. We need focus. We need self-discipline. That's what Paul definitely says twice. First, he called it self-control. Then he says, I discipline my body. I was tempted to break those up. Because to me personally, self-control is more so I won't do something, whereas discipline is fine, I'll do it. You know, but no, the, the, the self-control falls under self-discipline. So they're, they're all under the same umbrella. I also almost made the mistake of just writing discipline. Because sometimes we have to be disciplined, yes? That's what coaches are for, yes? Athletes are supposed to discipline themselves, but then they come to practice and if they do something wrong, the coach disciplines them. You do laps for missing a free throw, whatever it might be. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is talking about self-discipline. What he has determined in his heart, he was going to do. And we've seen it. I'm not going to eat meat if if it's going to offend a brother. I won't receive payment if that's going to make you think less of the ministry. I'll be a Jew to the Jew and a Gentile to the Gentile. And whatever it takes, that takes discipline. That takes self-control. So on a corporate level, we have Matthew 16, 24, Alvin, sir. They're on the back. Yep. Uh, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Yeah. Now, in some ways, I wanted to put that as a personal one, right? Take up your cross. We all have a, quote, different cross to bear. But he says, take up your cross and... Follow me. me. So, I mean, that is referring to the specific road that Jesus took, one of self-denial, self-discipline, just everything for the will of the Father. 
So yes, there's a lot of personal there for you to figure out what your cross is. We all have different crosses because we all are in different circles and we also all have different buttons that get pushed. Agreed? Something that I might find very easy to submit to, someone else might find very difficult to submit to. Well, it doesn't matter. You submit. You t- if you want to follow him, right? Jesus said, anyone who would come after me, so that's not just salvation, right? That's not just saying, Lord, forgive my sins. That's, no, no, now, now that you're saved, what are you, you going to do to go? What are you going to do from here? Are you going to self-discipline yourself and follow me? That's a call for all of us. But then the personal one. And again, I, I'm stretching on this, but I hope it's okay. T- tell me later if you have a problem with it. But Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Uh, Sean, sir. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, is that a corporate call? In a way it is. We're all called to press towards... I get it. I, I, I kind of struggled with which is which because they kind of serve the same purpose. But Paul's saying, I do. Paul's saying, I press towards the upward call. If we all have a different call, we're all pressing towards something else, if, if that makes any sense. But what I saw here that I was not even looking for, and I love what God does, when God does this, Paul says he forgets, Paul says he strains forward, and Paul says he presses on forgets, uh, strains forward, presses on. <coughs> forgets, actually consider, forgets and straining forward are all participle verbs. Once again, I don't care, I'm just going to drop these seeds every chance I get. A participle verb is just a verb that kind of describes who you are. It's not actually what you're doing as much as, it, it's just a, a character trait somewhat. That, that Paul is someone who's going to forget. He isn't thinking of individual moments where he forgot, but no, I'm going to forget. I'm going to strain forward. Their participles and their passive voice. I found that interesting. Wait, so Paul's not actively forgetting? No, the Spirit's giving him what he needs to leave those things behind. Paul's not actively straining. The Spirit's giving him... The only active verb here is the I press on. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. So God's going to have to forgive me if I'm not. But to me, that just makes so much sense. The Spirit will give me what I need to, to forget and to strain forward. But it's up to me to press on. It's up to me to say, okay, Lord, this is what I believe you've called me to do. Corporately and personally. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I pray my brothers and sisters do it around me. But personally, I am going to self-discipline myself so that I am living the life and being the vessel that God created me to be. Alright, so that's what I believe when Paul says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Generally speaking, Paul's discipline should be my discipline. But specifically speaking, it shouldn't be. Because I don't need to discipline myself until God makes me to, uh, you know, to be able to sing praises in a Philippian jail. You understand? Like, Paul was just put in circumstances where he had to discipline himself and humble himself and God will give me mine. God will give you yours. But whatever it is, don't compare your discipline to someone else's and, well, at least I'm doing this. No, it's self-discipline. It's what I'm going to do so that I can be who God created me to be. And then lastly, in a few minutes we have left, uh, in order to win, you have to play by the rules. 
so many people forget that. I've actually mentioned it a few times now. I'm just going to do good stuff, and hopefully that will make God happy. Well, Paul says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I personally had always taken that as disqualified to the people he was preaching to. You know, like kind of like a practice what you preach. You know, if he's not disciplining himself and he's telling me to do it, but he's not doing it. I'm sure that falls under that umbrella. But I think it also falls under the umbrella of striving for the prize. Right? You get disqualified. It doesn't matter who was the person who ran a marathon and jumped in a cab and didn't think anybody would find out and won the marathon. She won. She technically crossed the finish line first. Or he, I'm sorry, I think it was, I don't know. They crossed the finish line first. Yeah, but they cheated. They didn't follow the rules. So you can walk around and say you crossed the finish line first. That's technically a fact. But you're not getting a reward for that. You're not getting a prize for that. Because you have to play by the rules. So again, just the verses that I picked. There were a few I could have went here. But Len, can you read Second John 1.8? Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for. Okay. Please, please. That's not referring to salvation. I shouldn't even have to say that. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. And to be honest, if you look in 2 John, it's all about sticking to the truth, not being pulled away by a false teacher. That, that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. But it is proof that while you can't lose your salvation, you can lose your reward. There can be one less crown for you to put at Christ's feet that you might have had if you had just persevered and played by the rules, but because you decided that, you know, to follow this YouTuber, or you decided to whatever, and you might have done it with the best of intentions, but it led you down a road that God didn't want you to, or maybe, you know, I'm going to, again, I don't even know names, but, you know, the, the leaders in the church know what I'm talking about. You know, there's people who are just determined to lead a church. I mean, they've come here and they've been here three weeks and they told us, listen, God said you need to give me an opportunity to preach because that's what I'm called to do. And then we somewhat politely say, I don't think so. And then you don't see them again. You know, I'm sorry. I I don't believe unless God really did tell them, go to BBC after three weeks, tell them. But Lord, I tried to preach everywhere. Yeah, but I didn't call you to do that. Why should God give us rewards for doing things that he doesn't call us to do? Just stick to his word. Stick to his word, love his appearing, and you will hear, good and faithful servant, you will hear, you have been faithful with a little, I will entrust you with much. You'll hear everything you want, but you have to play by the rules. And then that just finishes us with 1 Corinthians 3, which you're going to have to tell me after I pray, because we don't have time. But if you feel I'm taking this out of context, I totally understand, I'm actually curious to hear if anyone I'm going to give it a subcontext. Okay? For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. The main context here is the Corinthians just couldn't get anything right. They're following Paul. They're following Apollos. They're arguing about that. Paul's like, guys, come on. What are you kidding me? Don't, don't, none of this. 
Paul was calling out what they really were doing that was wrong. I've always seen the wood, hay, and straw as the things that were wrong. But I almost want to turn it up a notch and say, yeah, but what if it's good things that God just didn't call you to do? Am I allowed to call my, quote, good deeds gold, silver, precious stones just because they might not blatantly go against Scripture? If God did not call me to do it, and and we'll see, only God's going to give them out. If God says, John, you know, I never called you to do that, but eh, it's still nice that you did. Here's a reward. Thank you, Lord. But I have to wonder if some of that wood, hay, stubble isn't just the bad stuff we do, but the stuff that we do that he never really called us to do. Again, I know it's such a stupid analogy, but any second that my foot tries to act like a hand is a wasted second. My foot was not made to be a hand. No one's impressed if my foot tries to act like a hand. John, that sounds so stupid. Then why do we do it? Just be who God called you to be. Play by the rules. Let the Spirit speak to your heart. And if he speaks, John, you are so obviously a teacher, you're not, you can't do anything else but teach, then I'll do it. But if it's more of a, yeah, I, I think he's called me to encourage. Yeah, let me really focus on encouraging, because that really is an important part of the church. And Mike, what was the phrase you said? If it has to be, let it be me, right? I think that fits again here, right? But maybe we just take away the if it has to be. You know, because I'd almost be like, all right, if I have to. No. Oh my goodness, if you're really a child of God, it was not about saving you. We always say this. It was not about saving you from something. It was saving you for something. So let's play to win the game. Let's not just be happy with, well, I go to church when I can and I read my Bible. Those are all great things, but that's playing. That's not playing to win. So let's play to win corporately as a body. Let's play to win individually, personally. God will get all the glory, but we will get all the benefit. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Uh, This actually went better than I thought, I I hope. Um, You know that my mind, you've been speaking to me, Lord, just making me look at things in ways that either I chose not to or just hadn't. Lord, I do. I, I want to be a generally good Christian, but I want to serve your specific role that you have me here for. Lord, whatever body part that associates with, I pray that every one of us not only be content in that part, but eager. Lord, want to serve. If my elbow didn't do what it was supposed to do, my entire arm wouldn't work right. And That makes so much sense, but then we try to relate it to our spiritual lives and we just don't see it. I I don't sometimes. So help us, Lord. Give us a contentment that only your spirit can, a peace, a clarity. I thank you, Lord. I'm I'm lucky. Uh, you, You gave me a very clear clarity from a young age, but Lord, I think a lot of these people, they know what they're gifted in, they just don't see that as the gift. And I pray that you can not only strengthen their belief that it is, but also their focus and determination and discipline to do it. Lord, the body will be benefit. This church will definitely benefit as each person does their role for your glory. Um, but again, your glory is all it's about. So thank you for Paul's determination. Thank you for him not giving up on the Corinthians and we thank you that you haven't given up on us and I pray that we do not just play, but that we play to win and that there really be no other option. Lord, I thank you for your patience and for the strength that I know you're going to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.